Well, if you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Verses uh, 27 to 39. As we continue our look at the uh, life of Christ in Luke. And uh, after the reading of the scripture, we will sing together the Gloria Patri that's printed for you in your bulletin. Please stand for the reading of God's holy word. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. And Jesus answered, can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says, the old is better. And God will add his blessing to this reading of his word. Amen. Let us bow, please, for another moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word today, we do pray that you would do a work in our hearts and among us through this word. We pray, O oh Father, that you'll bless our us to help us to enable us to hear uh, what you have to be said. I pray that you will empower me and enable me to proclaim your truth clearly and to draw your people to Christ and pray that, Lord, you would be glorified in all of this. And uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> what is the new the nature the what the of the the new covenant kingdom that Jesus Christ is establishing what is it like what characterizes it in a sense we've been seeing it along the way as Jesus uh, heals different ones as he healed the leper as he forgave the sins of the lame man uh, but we come to a passage today which communicates some of the characteristics of the new covenant kingdom things which the Pharisees particularly misunderstood. Uh, they 
were thinking the new covenant kingdom was going to be just exactly like the old covenant kingdom, and they were missing some of the significant elements of the new covenant. And what we see as we go through this passage this morning is uh, a welcome to sinners. We see the the incident of a sinner being welcomed into the kingdom. Uh, And then we have a, a second part of it, which is Jesus answering a question about fasting where he communicates the uh, nature of the, uh, the joy and delight and the feasting that's part of the new covenant body of Christ, new covenant kingdom. So we look first at this incident with uh, Jesus inviting a sinner into the kingdom. Now Jesus has been gathering uh, disciples along the way in the chapters we've been following Uh, But for the most part, all of them were fine, upstanding citizens. They were fishermen. uh, They were people of notable quality. But in this incident, he calls someone to be his disciples that we are totally shocked by. We would not expect. Uh, Jesus comes and he shows shows up at uh, a booth there. Some in, in Capernaum, probably, uh, the booth of a tax collector, a man by the name of Levi. Luke gives us his name. The other gospel accounts gives us his other name, Matthew. And Jesus comes to him and calls him to become a disciple. Now, tax collectors in that day had an even worse reputation than they have in our own day. We're not too keen on tax collectors, but in that day, the job of being a tax collector was open to the highest bidder. And whoever could purchase the the job got it. And not only did they collect the uh, tax that the Roman government had authorized, which they had to collect, but they were free to collect as much as they wanted to collect. And so the tax collectors would not only collect the basic tax, but they would add to it uh, a, a great surcharges uh, to that tax that they would collect, which obviously that made it offensive, not only because they were collecting for the Romans, but because they were extorting these people. And here all of a sudden Jesus appears in front of this booth, this tax collector booth, and he says to Levi, follow me. It's a a shocking thing, really. Very surprising. Uh, No one uh, watching this would have thought this is something appropriate. But it just reminds us that the electing love of God is so surprising that he sets his affection on people that we can't imagine that he would love. It's a miracle of God's amazing grace that he would take one hated by men, but loved by him. And it's, it's an act of grace that you and I need to never cease marveling at. As you sit there in the pew, as you at home sit and reflect on the mercy and grace of God to you, you need to say, he saved me? I can understand why he'd save that other person. They're pretty good. But he saved me? 
And the marvel of God's redeeming love and grace is an amazing thing. And Levi would have never forgotten it. And we see in him and in this incident here, the joy of the salvation that he came to experience in Christ. And one of the first things he does is he wants to have a banquet. He prepares a feast. And who does he invite to the feast? Well, he invites all his friends, the other tax collectors and sinners, because he wants them to meet Jesus. Just as you and I as Christians and as a church, we want people to come to know Christ. Uh, that's our goal. That's our desire. We want to see that happen. And Levi held this great banquet and a large crowd of these tax collectors and sinners were there. He wanted them to come to know Christ. Well, this was a, an offense to the Pharisees. How could you eat a meal with sinners? How could you socialize with tax collectors and sinners? And so they come to the disciples. Uh, they're complaining to the disciples. Jesus is going to answer them. But they, they complain, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? It's a, a horrible thing. It's a terrible thing. Why in the world would you allow yourself to be contaminated by associating with sinners? And they despise Jesus for doing that. Uh, in Isaiah 53, among the different things told to us about the coming Messiah, uh, one of them is he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Pharisees despised Jesus. They couldn't believe that he would associate with these guilty people. But that's what being a Christian is. That's what being in the new covenant is. That's what being part of a church is. If you don't want to hang out with sinners, you better not come back. Because that's who's here, are sinners. But you better hang out, hang out with nobody but yourself. And even then, you can't not hang out with sinners. You're one. When you're hanging out with yourself, you're hanging out with a sinner. And Jesus and his disciples were associating with sinners. It was part of the mission, part of the welcome of the new covenant kingdom to call these people to come feast with Christ and get to know him. The Pharisees couldn't understand it. And so Jesus answers them in verse 31 and 32. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Pharisees thought that they were the righteous ones. And many of them probably did live a, a, a pretty exemplary life. But the problem is they failed to recognize at root they were sinners. And Jesus didn't come to call those who thought they were righteous or righteous in their own selves. He came to call those who knew they needed help. 
And if you know you need grace, then Jesus is the one for you. He's the one to give that grace. If you don't know that you need him, then you're in trouble. But if you know that you need him, then you're in the right place. Because Jesus has come to give mercy to you. So the, the new covenant kingdom that Jesus is estab establishing is a, a, a kingdom of welcome to sinners, meeting their needs, giving them grace, pouring out his love on them, ultimately suffering uh, on the cross for their sake. But the Pharisees not only misunderstood what Jesus was doing in welcoming sinners, uh, the, this idea of feasting as part of the new covenant kingdom was strange to them as well. They thought, well, to be holy, you needed to be essentially unhappy. And they made a lot of fasting and, and denying themselves of different things. And they missed the, uh, the, 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 misunderstood the changing epic there is with the new covenant kingdom. We have a similar passage, similar truth in uh, John chapter four and Jesus meeting with the woman at the well. He's there to gather this sinner to himself. He's trying to reach this woman and she perhaps in terms, in a way of distracting the conversation asked, well, where should we worship on this mountain or the other mountain? And Jesus says, neither one. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now Jesus wasn't saying that the Old Testament worship wasn't true or wasn't spiritual. What he's saying is there's a dynamic change going on from Old Testament worship to the new covenant worship. Because now we worship not in looking forward to the Christ, we worship because the Christ is here. And we worship him who is present. Well, their issue, their question, the, the, the doubts that they had or the concerns they had was about fasting versus feasting. And uh, Luke doesn't tell us who came to Jesus to ask this question, <clears throat> saying John's disciples often fast and pray. So do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Uh, in one of the other gospel accounts, some of John's disciples were also confused about this and they were coming to Jesus asking the question, well, we still fast and pray, but your disciples are eating and drinking. And so the question they had was, uh, what, what, what about feasting in the kingdom of God? What about feasting in the new covenant? Is that really what it's all about? And uh, they, when, when you think about it, when you look at your Old Testament, there's only one, one fast that was required by the law on the Day of Atonement. Fasting was not a required part of your everyday life, even in the Old Covenant. There are, there, there are two fasts that are described for us, one in Esther, when the, uh, Haman had plotted the destruction of all the Jews, they called for a fast to pray that God would bless Esther as she goes into the king. 
the prophet Joel, he calls for a fast. But it, it isn't that the way to be holy is being miserable. That wasn't even true under the old covenant, but it's for sure not true in the old in the new covenant. Uh, it, it is a time of feasting. The church can sometimes, you know, get wrong ideas about a real sign of holiness. Some time ago, I read a little. I don't know if you've ever heard of the author Irma Bombeck. She was kind of a Christian, I think, comedian of some sort. But she was writing about uh, one time sitting in church and saw a small child turned around to the people behind them. Her, there was a little girl, turned around to the people behind her and was, was smiling at them. And uh, the mother noticed her daughter doing that and she said, stop that smiling, you're in church. Kind of swatted her. And the little girl obviously frowned, and the mother said, that's better. Well, that's not what the kingdom of God is all about. It's feasting. And Jesus illustrates it. Well, he gives three illustrations to show this joy of the kingdom that is part of it. Well, the first is a wedding. Can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? A wedding is not a time to mourn. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time to feast. It's a time to enjoy being together. And the, the kingdom of, of God the, in Christ is a, is a place for joy and delight. And we need to enjoy that together. We can't mourn when Christ is present with us. Then Jesus goes on to say, now there will be a time when the bridegroom's taken away, and in those days they will fast. And there he's anticipating when he's arrested and crucified and buried. And during that time, the disciples will mourn. There, during that time, the bridegroom will have been taken away from them. Christ the bridegroom. But he was returned to them in the resurrection and in the ascension. And you and I feast because the bridegroom is with us. He's a part of our life. We celebrate with joy. And we, even though we sometimes go through the trials of this life, we do so with the anticipation of the resurrection and the return. And it's very important for you and I to always keep the resurrected Christ before our minds, before our eyes. Sometimes the things that happen in our life are discouraging. And we lose sight of that. Uh, I, I, I experienced that myself this very week. I lost sight of that. Good thing I'm preaching because I'm be able to preach to myself first, and then you you get to listen in. But we gotta we have to keep our eyes on our resurrected Christ. That's where our hope is. That's where our joy is in His return. The second illustration Jesus uses is the illustration of a garment. <clears throat> you can't on an old garment uh, put a new garment to patch it up because one will tear the other. 
There's a newness to the, um, what's in the new, new covenant. And we experience that. And the third illustration is the illustration of uh, wineskins. <clears throat> when the uh, people of that day would butcher a, a goat, they would take the, the skin and they would make a, a, a wineskin, a new wineskin. And then the new wine that they're making, they would put in the new wineskins so that <clears throat> as the wine fermented and expanded, it wouldn't, the, the new, the the, the new wineskin could handle it. If they put it into an old wineskin that was uh, rigid and hard, uh, as the wine expanded, it would burst the wineskin and you would lose it all. And what Jesus is communicating is there's a newness, there's a richness, there's a glory in the new covenant. We're not confined to the old patterns of the law of the old covenant in, in the sense that we're no longer under the national laws we no longer have to offer sacrifices as they did. We now have Christ who is the final sacrifice. We have the joy and the feasting and the, the delight of the fellowship of the saints now in the kingdom of God. And you and I are to look at this passage and see the welcome and joy of sinners saved by grace and to realize that you and I have the privilege as God's covenant people to experience a glory that far outshines anything that came before because Jesus is with us and we experience that joy and that glory in him. May we keep our focus on that. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the richness of your love, the glory of your kingdom. We thank you for the joy that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. May you fill us with a, a sense of that and an awareness of that so that we, O oh Lord, might experience the joy of your salvation as we live day by day. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.